shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, (laughs) and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. She doesn't really need an introduction, but we'll give her one to honor this incredible woman and her ministry. Author and speaker Beth Moore is a dynamic teacher whose conferences take her all around the globe. She has written numerous best-selling books and Bible studies and is the founder and visionary of Living Proof Ministries based in Houston, Texas. And y'all, if you could have heard the way she ministered to us and prayed over us before we started this show, you'd love her even more. In fact, we think you'll get to hear it. We are so excited for you to listen in to our divinely appointed conversation with our friend, Beth Moore. Hey, you guys. Hey, Beth. It is such a pleasure to get to meet you. You just don't even know. We're so delighted. Well, I'm delighted to be with you too, but I got to tell you, I don't even have words for my sorrow. I just don't even have words. I am so sorry, and I I can't even imagine the ministry that you have been faced with in the last Mm. 24 hours. Mm. So Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Really, the only reason we didn't cancel this is because it's you. And Mm -hmm. we said, she's probably the one person we'd most want to talk to right now, just to hear your voice and see your face. Well, if I can minister to you in any way, I will be so honored to do that. And mm-hmm. I just ask the Lord for that. You know, most of my team is in Nashville, where mm-hmm. you guys are, the team I travel with. And we had just prayed so fervently, mm-hmm. but it was one of those situations where you think, how can it possibly come out worst case scenario? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Where you think, surely, please 
surely, surely there's going to be an explanation that is not that. So, yes. Yes. mm. Yeah. Mm. We are going tonight to speak with all the parents from the school. And tomorrow we'll be at the school with a lot of counselors from our area. And so, yes, we would love for you at some point just to pray for us before we hang up. Mm -hmm. That would mean the world to the two of us. Would you mind if I went ahead and did that? No, except we might be a mess after bed. I think that's where all of our hearts are. And so let's go ahead and that way perhaps the Lord will spill that spirit out on our time together. Yes. Lord, with everything. I have to bring, Lord, you have been speaking to me recently out of all the contexts in Scripture that where there are huge implications theologically of humans responding to you with the words, here I am. Mm. And I'm thinking of Abraham, and I'm thinking of Moses, and I'm thinking of Isaiah, I'm even thinking, Lord, of Ananias uh, when you called him to go lay hands on Saul. And every single time is this moment where a human is being asked by God or appointed by God or given the opportunity by God to be in a situation where they feel so incredibly inadequate and not up for the task, but all they can offer you is, here I am. Mm -hmm. And I thank you that that is what my brother and sister bring to you today, what they will bring to you this evening, and what they will bring to you in the weeks to come, that all you are asking of them is, in our own sorrow, in our own questions, in our own pain, in all our own uncertainty, in all of our own emotions, what we say to you, Lord, is here we are. Here we are. Mm. I think, Lord, and what had me really thinking of it was uh, the portion out of Hebrews 10. And it's the way the NIV says it. When Jesus said, it says, when he was coming into the world, he said, you, you do not desire sacrifice uh, or burn offerings for me, a body you have given me, and mm-hmm. here I am. And so, Lord, I ask that for them, that they would present their bodies to you. Like, Lord, if I'm going to have anything in it, it's going to have to be you. But I tell you what I will do. I present my body to you. I ask you to overtake it. I ask you to eclipse everything about it that is of my own flesh and my own being and that you would overtake me. Lord, I ask you for that. And I believe with all of my heart that you will do that. I thank you, God. And I haven't even conversed with them, so I don't know. Lord, I'm thinking of when I was called very soon after Mm 9-11 and was with pastors and staff members that were just overcome. So I don't know. I don't know 
how Sissy and David feel right now. But what I do know is that your word is still true, that Mm. we three say to you, your word is still true, no matter what all of our emotions are, no matter what the emotions are of the people that they're talking to, your word is still true. Now, Lord, I'm thinking it was John 12, and it was like in that original 84 NIV, but Jesus said something. It was translated in such a way, Lord, that it just so stuck out to me that he said, my father tells me what to say and how to say it. Mm. I ask you, Father, I feel like their words will be few that they won't have to have a lot of words. But I thank you, Father, that you are not only going to tell them what to say, you're going to tell them how to say it. Mm -hmm. And you, Holy Spirit, you initiate that environment. We are asking you, take over every single bit of it. And I am asking you with everything in me, would you minister to them as you minister through them. Would you cause the ears of those precious listeners, Father, to be able to receive what it is they need for now, just for now, Lord, for this moment, for for today. God, I ask you that you, over all else, They will be so certain that you are there in that room with them, that it will be you, Lord. And you do this over and over in Isaiah. You, God, say to them, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Lord, we just present ourselves to you in all that we lack, in all of our weakness, in all that we do not know. And we ask you, God, to be glorified and to do the miracle of sustaining lives through what cannot possibly be endured otherwise in the glorious and beautiful life-giving redeeming saving name of Christ Jesus our lord amen amen oh my goodness thank you you oh. will never know what a gift that was. Oh, no, oh. no. I wish we were in the room and could hug your yes, neck. Yes, that's what Please. I wish too. If there is anything I can do for you guys over these next weeks, I I don't know what it is like to be in this situation, but I know what it is like to be called into a situation that you think, Lord, there is no human that can possibly know how to yes. handle this and deal yes. with this. And yes. so... Whatever I can do for you, I will be praying. I can tell you that. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you thank so you. much. You'll never know what a gift you uh, gave no, us. No, no. Thank you. No. So grateful. Oh, and so honored to meet you and hate that it's my, the timing, but so pleasure. grateful that it's the timing both. We said today, like, of all days, of all people, that yep. it was today that we would get to be with you in this yes. way. So thank you just for what you just gave us. These kinds of things... I don't know why it is that a God that can be this specific in these very intimate ways that He Mm. works, you know, we think that same God could have changed all of it. But He does give us these glimpses into, I am with you. I am with you. Can I ask y'all before we get started, I want to ask you, what was it that put y'all, did you work with the school all the time? Do you have a role there? 
We've long partnered with this school. We both spoken at parenting events there. Our, we've served kids and families from there. The head of school was a dear friend of both of ours that we love and have known for adored. over 25 years. We just adored her. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. She was my wife's boss. My wife's a teacher, and she was my wife's boss for years and years when they taught together, and she's just a remarkable human hilarious world funny kind, strong oh, yeah. spitfire you'd have woman. loved her oh. and beth you'll love this story because we're going to talk oh, about yes. dogs in a few minutes but when i saw her last i spoke at the school a few months back and they'd gotten a dog at the school that was like the school mascot and i said Catherine, i cannot believe you were able to pull off getting that push through the elders and all the different hoops and hurdles to get a dog here and she said now, David, you know me. I went ahead and brought the dog in, let the kids get super attached. And then I thought, I'll let them tell me if they want to take that away from the kids. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I'll have, and I'll have them come announce it to the children. Yes, <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yes. She was yes. something extraordinary oh, in this world. I have yes. heard so many wonderful things about uh, her. She's a delight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and the sweetest nurturing community. I mean, just precious yes. people all the way around. Uh-huh. And I, I, one thing I would add, well, maybe that's kind of jumping into our conversation, but I was there today. I did a couple of interviews that were all right outside the building. I mean, outside the sign that is the entrance to the building. And I didn't know that's where I was going to be. I thought I was going to be inside somewhere. And all of a sudden, it was the first time I'd been that close to the building and I looked over and was so choked up thinking sissy you've got to pull it together you've got to pull it yes. together and and there is the sign for the covenant school and there, there is of course it's a church and so there's their sign for Easter and it just says Easter in these huge letters and I thought that's it like that's the only thing we can say right now is that's Easter it. yeah you know it. I mean that's, that's it and I'm so grateful that all these cameras everything is pointed at this tragic, Try this, what has happened here that has been so devastating to our whole community. And there's this big sign that says Easter. <laughs> Listen, all, everything comes back to that power of resurrection that I don't care what it is we're going through, every tragedy, everything, we find ourselves going back to the fact that God raises the dead. Yes. And that becomes... As Paul says, if we don't have that, we got nothing. We're pitiful. Mm, but yes. if we have that, then at the end of it, there's nothing. There is nothing, nothing. There's nothing that can be the cessation of life to us that he resurrects. And yes. I'm with you. I don't know how in the world we process something like that. No. Not just without faith, but without absolute certainty of the resurrection. Yes. It is the thing that all of it hinges on is that he was raised from the dead. So anyway, you guys lead and Lord help me follow. But this is when what we believe is tested. This is when it's hard to learn anything brand new at a moment Mm. like this. You you Mm. do in the after effects, but in the moment you are drawing from what is already in there. And let Mm. me tell you, that's what's tested. Yes, Mm. absolutely. Amen. Amen is right. I was thinking, too, in all of God's sovereignty and providence that we would be having this conversation with you. I have never met you, but have followed you for a really long time. And just watching you lose your brother 
and be releasing a book at the same time. I mean, I just, I kept praying for you thinking, Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine what this season is like for you. And so even thinking through Covenant and that Easter sign, I thought about you today. And I Mm -hmm. thought, again, here we go. It's the only reason we can put our feet forward. It is the truth. And I thought, what an example. When I was trying to convey in the title, knotted up life is when everything, where it's like, why can't this just be laid here? And this is laid here. And these two things are kept separate. And I deal with this. And then I deal with, no, no. For most of my life, it has all been this conglomeration Mm. of that which was beautiful and exquisite and that which was excruciating. And so much of it at the same time. And I thought, I cannot believe this is happening because I am telling you that I took every bit. I'm talking about that fresh, acute part of your grief where it's still, you can still feel the blade Mm. of the knife. You, you just, you still feel it like you have not settled into it at all. It's just still that fresh. And yet God has you in this situation where you're greeting this many people and all of these Ugh. things happening at once and this terrible grief. And then the memoir was well received. And it was like, what is even happening? Yeah. So it, it wasn't like my morning had been turned to dancing. It was like dancing in my morning. Mm. I just don't know. But it is the Lord that carries us through that. And one of the things that I've thought about and thought about is that we have to be willing in our grief to take the moment. Sometimes the Lord will cause something in the worst of our mourning, but something will happen funny and we'll think, can I laugh or not? And one of the things I would say to anyone, take the moment. Mm. It's from God. It's a moment's respite in the tragedy. It's that moment where you get a little bit of relief in the pain. And he did that. He did that and Mm. has characteristically done that with me, where there would be something, something in the pain that would make it bearable. Mm. Mm. Thank you for that reminder. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, will you talk a little bit about what led you to write the book now? We're so grateful for it. All and right, if- hold on. We got to hold on. We normally do this with Beth, but we got to take a quick pause because Lucy oh. need to relieve herself. And I'm oh, she just pee peed? I'm yes. so sorry. Oh, oh, no. This, this is a perfect moment. Hold up. This is, this is a perfect moment. I'm so sorry. No. No, I, oh gosh! I think it's what if we all needed in okay, this moment. To we need to be able to that's what you that. said. That's what I said. That's what I'm talking about. And if y'all don't leave that on the podcast, I have no respect for you whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> because if that wasn't a divine moment, I it just, was perfect. <laughs> it was absolutely okay. Have we have we cleaned up? Be- Jess, Jess is, is so gracious. Right yes, now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Lucy, that Listen, was- ministry is very, it's glamorous, isn't it? While she's <laughs> yes. patent dry. Oh, it is a glamorous thing. <laughs> We're leaving that in. Yeah, We're leaving that absolutely. in for sure. You've just got to because that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sissy, 
we see so many unique kids in our offices. And if it's one thing I've learned in all these years I've been working with kids, it's that there is no such thing as one size fits all when it comes to education. That is the truth, David. And it's why I'm so excited about Ethos School, an online Christian school. Ethos understands the responsibility parents feel to ensure their child develops academically, socially, and spiritually. And you know we love a thoughtful, holistic approach when it comes to kids. Ethos partners with parents to shape their children as whole people, offering over 100 relational, high-quality online courses for 4th through 12th grade students. They have multiple world language, math, dual credit, and advanced placement options. They also offer weekly time with a live teacher and classmates, which is so important for a child's educational experience. Ethos's online teachers are expert educators. It's no wonder their advanced placement scores soar above national averages. Right now, Ethos School is offering to waive the $95 enrollment fee for our podcast listeners, plus a complimentary academic counseling session to plan your child's academic journey. Visit ethoschool.org slash rbg or click the link in our show notes to take advantage of the waived enrollment fee offer and to plan your child's educational journey with an Ethos academic counselor. Visit ethoschool.org slash rbg today. Okay, so Sissy, am I going back to the question of why? Will why you? Yes, we'd yeah, love for yes. you to. Okay, well, God has been so gracious to me. You know, I, I tease and call myself blonder than I pay to be because I can be a little bit of an airhead sometimes. And one of the things that I've absolutely loved that the Lord has done with me all along the way is that almost never have I been deciding between projects. Like I would know this has been throughout 19 in-depth Bible studies and then a number of regular trade books. He would always direct my passion very specifically toward that one thing. And it would be like, I would think, well, maybe this is for an event. Well, I would do the event and then it wouldn't satiate. So it would be like, it would be a, a constant building of this passion towards something. So he's done that throughout my entire profession. It's always been something that he continued to almost pester me with until I would just give way to it and do it. (laughs) And it was sort of like that because I think to some degree, I imagined that I probably would, but the time came where it seemed like it was bubbling up one way or the other, and it was either go with it or do everything you can to fight it. And it just seemed the time. Plus my age, I'm 65. That is that birthday, that year Mm. that like 16 tends to be an 18 and 21 and 40, where there's something very specific about that time allotment that causes you to take stock. And it was that for me where that's the time where you know, yes, I have ministry ahead of me for as long as the Lord purposes, but that you know that most of your life and most of your vocation is behind you. And so it's a very natural time. Where I wanted to be is, Lord, I want to be in that in-between where I have dealt with enough of it to where I'm not writing raw, Mm. where you're just like bleeding all over the page. I didn't want to do that. But I also didn't want to be past the pain of it where it just became sentimentality. Mm. I wanted to still remember 
Mm. what it felt like and what I wanted to be able to somehow find that middle road. And I did feel like the Lord enabled that. There were a couple of parts of it that I had to sit back from and take a breather. But for the most part, I could feel all the emotion of it. And yet I didn't feel like I was bleeding out. Mm. I'll say this one other thing too. It was of great value to me. Because when I finished it, I, you know, I've had such turbulence that I look back over my shoulder and tend to think, I mean, what a train wreck. I mean, I can just, in my mind, I can just see an honest to goodness where the cars of the train are just like scattered all over the place. And, but actually, that is not true. Mm. When I got to the end of it, when they first handed me back the manuscript after they had read it for the first time, and I looked over the whole thing, I thought, it went together more than I thought. Mm. It was every bit the mess that I thought, but I knew that surely goodness and mercy had followed me all the days of my life. Mm. I thought, Lord, Mm. you talk about stubborn, that he just never let go. I could not run him off if I tried. (laughs) And that there was a consistent thread and it was him. It was Jesus. Mm. It's beautiful. Mm. Beth, before I ask you this next question, I want to say to folks listening that I would love to give you a challenge. And the challenge is this. I want you to consider that you are going to want two different copies of this book because we had a copy of the book itself to hold, which we marked up and there were so many things I wanted to highlight, but I listened to the audible version and I cannot tell you how sad I got when it ended because I wanted your voice to stay in my head so badly. And I loved every moment of you telling your stories and your voice. And I laughed out loud more times David, than I could that count. that makes my day. Oh, you don't even know. And so I, I sincerely want folks to consider, like, you're going to want to mark yes, it up. Yes, get both but, copies. But you will miss so much if you don't hear your voice and the way you told the stories. Okay, David. Now, see, this is blowing my mind because I told this to a friend of mine at work today. I have never had so many brothers tell me that they have read or listened to one of my books ever, ever. And, you know, I wasn't expecting this. Now, I didn't write it with a woman reader or a man reader in mind. I just wrote it with a reader in mind, period, whoever had it in their hands. But I have been amazed at the guys that have contacted me and said that they read or listened. So I just want you to know, thank you for taking that chance because I'm amazed by that. You are welcome. And thank you for doing it because I mean that, like I loved having your voice in my head and I loved hearing you tell those stories firsthand. And I mean it that I laughed out loud more times than I can tell you. (laughs) Oh, you don't even know. Oh, I did. And I cried in so many different moments as well as you told your stories. And it also made me stop and think more times than I can tell you. And, And Beth, there was this part 
when your dad was dying, mm. you described a moment of holding his hand mm-hmm. and talking to him, and you remarked that you had held the hands of perfect strangers, and only strangers are perfect. Mm. The known ones are muddled. That's mm. what you said. And I was so struck by the wisdom and truth of that. And you did not have an easy life, and you yeah. share so many hard stories from your growing up. And I want to ask you just what did those experiences and muddled relationships teach you? The gift in the long run that would be consistent throughout is that I wasn't going to make it by playing around with the things of faith. I wasn't going to. What happened for me, because I can only tell my story in the book, but I can assure you my whole family has stories because that's what happens when you are in a home that is turned absolutely upside down and the parents are so at war, whether it is a cold war or a hot fiery war, but just so at war. So there's no one who can escape it. So we have all processed different ways. But for me, it became, there's not going to be any making it through without really determining how I'm going to approach life. And so it kept me out of the gray. I had to be serious about the things of prayer. I don't know how I would have made it had I not known God was there and that I could talk to him. Mm. And then as I began, as is often the case, you get what you have not dealt with in childhood. It's it's coming for you. It is coming for you. And of course, it came for me. But for me, as I expressed in those pages, I mean, I came to a point where I thought, okay, I'm absolutely going to lose my mind. Mm. My mind is going to be broken beyond what can be mended. And that desperation, now, I don't want anybody signing up for it. I don't want anybody going and looking for it. I'm just simply saying that if you ask me, what good came out of it at all. It is that I so constantly had the gift of desperation that I was going to have to go to Jesus. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to make it on my own. I wasn't. And I have so many self-destructive patterns in my past that I don't have to wonder, would I have been in a ditch. I absolutely would have. Mm. The only way to make sense of finding myself in any semblance of a healthy place, a joyful place, a contributing place. And to me, that's fruitfulness. It's not Mm. always giddy, but it's to bear fruit to the glory of God is that I had to depend on Him. And that's what it did. Somehow in my childhood, this is what I pray for every child that comes through your doors. I don't know why or how, but I was able somehow to know that Jesus was trustworthy with children. And if you ask me the biggest mystery Mm. of my life, that is probably it of how, Mm. how did I know that? Mm. But I did somehow those pictures, those poster pictures of Jesus with those kids crawling all over seemed to me He was safe Mm. with kids. Mm. And so that was my escape, Mm. strangely. Mm. 
Thank you. We're all so grateful. The world is grateful. He has been your escape since all that time because mm. your contribution, mm. I mean, has changed the world. Yes. Well, it sure has been a mess. It's so messy from where I sit, mm. but I am so thankful what I hope somebody comes away with. From this conversation, I'm not talking about the need to, to read a book. I'm not trying to sell a book here. Well, we are. Well, we what sure are. I'm Two hoping, copies to be exact. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> but what I'm hoping is that somebody you just know that he can use anything. Yeah. And that... Pretty early on in my parenting, I began to think to myself, hmm, if all I'm going to teach my children is morality, and of course, y'all, please don't misunderstand me. I want my children to be moral. I want my grandchildren to be moral. But if that is the sum total of the fruitful life in Christ, then what happens when they for many of them often inevitably blow it, then what? Mm. And I had to have a savior that it was like, you know what? There is nothing I cannot take and use as soil from which to produce fruit. Mm. Nothing, nothing, whether it's failure or success, whether it's that you have a really good, you've been able to stay between the ditches, you had a healthy pretty healthy family, relatively speaking, or what it may be, but whatever it is, there's just nothing that God cannot use for fertile soil. Mm. Yes. Yes. So true. Amen. Well, we love your bio that talks about you as a wife, a mother, a grandmother, an active church member, and dog lover to the death, because and obviously we've all been death. outed that we're all dog lovers to the death <laughs> yes. around here. <laughs> Yes, and I love that you guys use it because let me tell you, I have often thought when I've encountered people online that are just like meaner than snakes, and I think to myself, Mm -hmm. you would be so much happier if you had a dog. I always (laughs) want to go, do you have a dog? And I I know that would be offensive, but I just want to go, you know what? I promise you, the quality of your life would would improve. Yes. You would just honestly be a happier person. But I do. Listen, you talk about therapy. They are therapy to me. Yes. Yes. You know, I mean, all these years, both of us counseling kids and families, I think both of our most proud moments is when parents come up to us and say, you all are the reason that I have a dog. I've heard you talk about how important dogs are for kids. And y'all are the reason. And that is, I mean, yeah, we're very proud of that. Yes, yes. We want to know what you would say you have learned from the dogs you've loved. Oh, I can tell you that off the top of my head, that they are unimpressed with anything but what your presence is to them in that moment, that they haven't read anything about you. They're not impressed (laughs) by you, nor are they depressed by Uh, who you are out there. They're just, there's none of that. It's just what the true relationship is. My Mm. husband always says, and I don't know if he's right or not, but he always says, you know, dogs can't hide their feelings. They aren't pretending. Mm. They're going to act out of what they feel. So there's no real hiding with them. Mm. And so I love that because if if they love you, they just love you. Mm. There's something there to hold in your arms. And I'm a big, big, big believer in people who are 
unable to leave their homes or mm. the elderly or those that have special needs that keep them very limited about their exposure to the public. Listen, I don't mean to overstate it here because it sounds so dramatic, but I tell you, the Lord can make them life-saving company to someone who is alone. Yes. yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. So I'm a big, big fan and I've always had one and Keith and I always have as well. So it's just fun. But I think just that unconditional love, just the very simplicity, if you will feed me and show me some affection, I will be so loyal to you. Yes. yes. Devoted. Yeah. I know you'll agree, David, that spending time in God's Word is one of the best ways to share Jesus with the kids we love. It sure is. The Bible is one of the best tools a parent can have in their parenting toolbox. But think for a moment, sissy, what would it be like if we didn't have access to a Bible or were allowed to have one? Sadly, that is a reality that many people around the world are facing today. Sharing hope and peace is something that is close to our hearts, and that's why we are excited to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country on earth, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. But there's just one thing those people are missing, a Bible in their own language. Sissy, I bet our listeners can meet that need. Mm. For only $25, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $25, as a thank you, Crew will also provide meals to 15 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of our book, Are My Kids on Track? Simply text the word RAISING, R-A-I-S-I-N-G, to 71326 to start helping today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text RAISING to 71326. That's R-A-I-S-I-N-G to 71326 to help now or visit give.crew.org slash raising. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. Well, in this season of our Raising Boys and Girls podcast, we're focusing on two of our books. David has an amazing book called Raising Emotionally Strong Boys, and I have a book called Raising Worry-Free Girls. So that's what we're talking about. And we would love for you to tell one story that really has shaped you into who you are, a story from your childhood. What shaped me for the good? Yes. Because I was living in a parallel universe Mm. in a lot of ways, because my home, for someone listening that needs to have this piece of the puzzle put into place to understand what I'm about to say, I was abused by my father. And so much of the pain that came and the brokenness in my life happened in my own home, and church was my very safe place. But people that have my kind of background, the most important thing that a child can have from any adult, is the time it takes to build the trust that we do not naturally have in people. Mm -hmm. In other words, when you come from abuse and you come from that kind of pain and those who should have been your protectors have been your perpetrators, then there is so much brokenness and the boundaries have been so mown down. Everything's been so turned over that the capacity to just naturally trust 
for most of us is just not there. So when individuals will take the time, in my case, adults at my church in whatever the role may have been. For me, I'm thinking in terms of I was raised in choir. I was raised in missions classes. Every single time the doors were open, we were at church. And I was getting to see people that took the time enough to where I could build up the trust. And I think that would be it as much as anything. I had a missions teacher. Her name was Mrs. King that began with us when we were little bitty kids. And for whatever reason, she kept moving up with us. I don't know if she thought we were such a problem. No other teacher could handle us. (laughs) But every single time we graduated into the next age group, she just kept moving up with this group of girls. And we had slumber parties at her house and we were safe. Mm -hmm. An adult hanging around long enough to say, you really can trust some people in this world. Mm. And that's what I had. Choir teachers, Sunday school teachers, this missions teacher that I'm talking about, that kept me. And to this day, to this day, the reason I'm not cynical about the church is because I always had authentic people, not people that were perfect, not people that would even want to claim to be but people who were true, somebody was always there, Mm. always, that defied what would have been my temptation. And that's to think no one, no one can be trusted. And Mm. I think that to this day is what I want to be for a child. I love the children at my church. I love to interact with the children. And that's what I want to be to them is that, you know, Miss Beth, she seems safe. She seems safe. Mm. Mm. feel certain that is exactly what they think. Me too. I hope so. Mm. I believe it. Beth, in chapter one of the book, you comment that fear was a core value Mm. in your family growing up. And Mm -hmm. what helped you move from that core value into something different in your own journey as a parent? And what are some things you think helped your daughters become emotionally strong and worry-free? I wish I could say that they were worry-free, but... (laughs) They would not let me get away with that. They would be calling into this program and going, okay, I'm best eldest star. I'm best youngest star. But we, Moores and Jones, are very much a work in progress. And like very recently with another school tragedy, I watched fear just settle like a cloak coming down on my daughter who has three kids in three different schools. So we're not immune to that at all. But I will tell you something that God used. God kept putting me in situations to serve where it was like, listen, if you can't get a grip on your fear, you're not going to be able to do it. It was like, you can either be miserable at it or you can try to see if you can deal with this. And so that was one reason. But the other thing was I could see the impact on my children. Mm -hmm. I could see how I could feed either their anxiety or I could feed their sense that it would be okay. Mm -hmm. I could see where so much of the temperature that I was setting a lot of that thermostat Mm -hmm. with my daughters. And I think that as much as anything 
years and years ago, I read an excerpt from Gilda Radner's book. Do y'all remember her? So anybody listening, of course, yes, original Saturday Night Live. You know, so this funny. is the very, very early years. And she wrote a book called It's Always Something. Real cheeky, but she told a story in it that our Houston Chronicle put as an excerpt in the paper. And it was about a dog that had an injury. And I, I no longer remember the specifics of it, except that it had lost its back legs. And she tells the story, and I don't know how literal she meant it, but the dog had puppies. And she said, and when the puppies learn to walk, they walk just like her. Wow. It was fairly early enough to where my kids were still very much growing up. I thought, girlfriend, they're going to learn to walk like you. Mm. And it was like, what can you do? And this for me, because so many of us, we cannot help nor go back and relive the traumas that we've been through. Those are there. I can't forget them. I can't act like they weren't part of my life. But what I knew I had to do was deal with it enough to where my children were not abuse victims secondhand. I want to be very careful because I don't want to put guilt on people. It just does us no good to have all that self-condemnation and go, you know, everything about my children, it's everything negative is all of my fault. I mean, that is a lot of burden to carry. But to say to the degree that I know how to pursue my own spiritual and emotional and psychological health, my physical health, I want to try to do it because I am teaching someone else to walk like me. Yes. David, did you get your taxes finished? (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) What are you eating? Okay, I am obsessed with these new Chipotle barbecue kettle chips. Will you share? I would have, but they are all gone. Where'd you get them? Thrive Market. Oh, how much do we love Thrive Market? I could record an entire podcast about that topic. You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from the Honest Kitchen. I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on. (laughs) From pets to kids to grownups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order? I saved $32. I saved over $12.67. How much did Patches save? (laughs) A lot. She's ordering more than I am. You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this month. Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. I love that too. 
Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG. Thrivemarket.com slash RBG. Sissy, we just spoke in town last night and reminded the parents in the room about putting on their oxygen mask first. That great reminder that flight attendants give parents when they board flights. With summer rolling around and kids home more hours of the week than ever, that reminder feels so important. A hilarious dad who works from home told me last night at the book table that when school ends, sometimes his sanity does as well. (laughs) (laughs) You know who could help that dad out? Our friends at Wendy. Wendy is here to help parents relieve the stress in finding high-quality sitters when they need them. I am talking daily with parents who are worried about summer childcare logistics. Wendy offers a nanny service where they match college students with families for the summer. We all love summer, and your kids especially love summer, but we lose the consistent schedule of kids in school. This creates all kinds of problems. Thankfully, there is a solution to this problem. Wendy, that's W-Y-N-D-Y, is an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These college student nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome. Wendy has been around for seven years. Over 20,000 families have used Wendy to complete more than 140,000 jobs. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy ready to work near you. Families have greater childcare needs in the summer and college students are looking for jobs. Wendy is here to match families to these college nannies. Everybody wins. This could be part-time or full-time. Wendy has a match for your needs. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash RBG to start a search for a nanny. And as a special offer, they are going to knock $50 off your search if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of a traditional nanny agency and no ongoing fees. Here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash RBG to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. Go to wyndy.com slash RBG. Well, thinking about your parenting journey, what would you say is one thing that you worried about early on that you wish maybe you hadn't? Oh, having money enough to send them to college. I said to (laughs) Keith, I said, I think back about our distrust Mm. of the Lord, that there was so much that because we just had so little money and We were trying to make it all work, and oh my goodness, I was expecting very early in our marriage, so I didn't get to really pursue a time of a couple of years of helping us get on our feet financially or any of those things, and I think there was always the fear that somehow we were not going to be able to provide for these children, and Mm. one of the things that we do, we transfer so much, we just 
act like God's not going to come through. Mm. But He is so faithful. He's so faithful and in trusting Him and just like, Lord, You are you are going to get us through. And the other thing would have been the main thing I wanted for my children above all. And I still will say the same thing. And I'll, I still say it about my grandchildren. I so much, I just wanted my children to love Jesus. You know, there was so much like, will they love Him? And they both love Him. They both do. Mm. And I, I tell them about my grandchildren, you know, trust the Lord. Don't think that how your teenager feels is how they're going to feel when they're 35 and mm. when they're 40 and when they're 45. Amen. Give them a chance to have their own journey and own their own faith. And listen, I tell you, I'm sure there are many, many exceptions to this. It's just that maybe they were not people that I knew, but for the most part, the process of a person owning their own faith has been quite turbulent. Yes. Or else they don't know that he's faithful. How in the world are you yes. going to find that out unless you're faced with one situation after another? And that doubt is part of that faith journey. Mm. So those things, just so much fear that we were not going to be able to somehow provide what our mm. children needed and get them educated the way that we hoped and get them on their own two feet. And then that somehow we blow it so badly spiritually that they would resent the Lord and they would resent the things of ministry instead of being drawn to it. And mm-hmm. we gave them grounds to feel all the negative things. We struggled as parents and as a couple, but I will tell you this. I think both of them would say that they knew that we were not hypocrites. They knew we were authentic. Mm-hmm. I think that when we got nothing else to give, that we are sincere and authentic and we are the same person no matter whether we're in front of people or behind those closed doors. I think that goes a long way. Mm. Is there one statement you wish someone would have said to you on the front side of the parenting journey or even something that you might say to someone on the front side right now with what you know? I'm going to say something that sounds so cliche, but if I don't believe this, then I don't know how we get through our parenting at all. I have to know, and I had to know early on, and it had to be something I said to myself over and over, and it's what I wouldn't just would tell. I am in the position to be around young parents constantly, constantly. And the thing that we have to know about our loved ones is that to the degree that we think that we love them so much, we do not begin to know the immeasurable love of God toward them. Mm. Just know that they are loved. I just got a few minutes ago, every single Tuesday from 12 to 1 at Living Proof, all of us stop what we're doing on staff and go to the phones. And we take prayer calls all during that Mm. hour, every single one of us. And we just pray for whoever calls. And they'll call from all over the United States, sometimes from other nations. And just a few minutes ago before you two and I got on this podcast. I got to pray with a mother over her young adult daughter. And one of the things I prayed with her is that the Lord is in pursuit of her and to know how much he loves her and how much he desires for her to have a relationship Mm. with him. And I, I think that's got to be on our minds, that our children are 
immeasurably loved by God, and He knows how they're operating. Sometimes our kids don't want us to know, because especially if we are the ones that are mentoring them and bringing them up in the Lord, sometimes they got more going on with the Lord than they want us to know because they don't want us to think, to feel the satisfaction. Of it. Does, <laughs> does that make sense to y'all? Yes. yes. You know, I'm always like, you know, he sees there, he's the heart knower as X1 mm. said. He knows what's going on there. He knows what motivates mm. them. And I, I think that above all else is that as much mm. as I think I, love them, and I know what's best for them. I can't begin to understand the love of God toward them. Mm. Well, you've shared a lot of this with us already, but as counselors, we talk with kids a lot about feelings, obviously, but we always want them to have foundational truths that they can anchor themselves to. And you have been a person your whole life who has anchored yourself to truth. And we would love to hear if there is one Truth, and it may even be what you just said, but that's helped you worry less as a person, as a parent, as a grandparent. What would you say? Since I've talked a lot about the love of God, I'll not answer with that same thing. Although, had I not, that would be exactly where I go. I'm going to say the Lord's presence Mm. that I count on continually, that He says to us, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That over and over when we see, and Paul says, uh, the Apostle Paul at the very end of his writing in Second Timothy, I mean, when he is signing off, when the ink is about to run dry on what to many of us is the greatest apostle of the apostles and the one, the most verbose of the apostles, when his ink is about to run dry and he says that everyone forsook him, but it says, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Mm-hmm. So that the message could be fully proclaimed for all the Gentiles to hear. Now, that may not be our testimony, but I love knowing that when no one else, for whatever reason, whether they deserted us or whether they're busy or whether they're preoccupied or it's a pandemic, we're all by ourselves in our homes. We're cut off from everyone else, or we just feel we're alone in our pain. Pain is such an isolating thing that to know, but but the Lord is with me. But the Lord is with me. And I try to treat that as the greatest reality of my life. Listen, I'm train wreck in a thousand ways, so I'm not setting myself up as an example. But I am telling you, I try to practice that kind of presence where I know He is with me and that He is with my children. He is with His own. And that is fundamental to me. It's fundamental to my mental health, that even in the quiet, that I've begun to understand that not all prayer is spoken. It can be quiet. It can be silence. It can be on a walk just with the awareness. I think it was Eugene Peterson's commentary on First Samuel. He talked about reading the Old Testament books. And he says that what we get to do, because we know that our faith and our doctrine and our Bible has been made complete in Christ. He said, then everything we study, even in the Old Testament, we do so in the conscious company of Christ. Mm. The conscious company mm. of Christ. That is living to me. Yeah. That just, I've never seen him be embodied in front of my eyes. I've never heard him audibly, but 
but to live as one in conscious company of Christ. Mm. Mm. That is truth right there. There it is, yes. Okay, Beth, we love to end every episode with something fun and food related, and we always ask the same question to our guests. It is so much fun to get to ask you this question because in chapter 17 of your book, Mm -hmm. you describe... (laughs) <laughs> uh huh. You describe enchiladas yes. in great detail. And this is one of the places I laughed out loud and loved so much. You describe it in great detail and say, Lord, hear my plea. Let my final meal be this. My final meal. <laughs> oh, let my final meal be. And listen, I didn't say a few minutes ago that we fast through lunch so that we can just give ourselves to our callers. So mm. we're having a conversation and I'm quite hungry and I can't think of anything that sounds any better than those very cheese enchiladas. <laughs> yes, yes. The question is two-part, queso or guac, and what's your favorite kind of taco? Queso for sure. Okay. For sure. Now, I love guacamole, but I wouldn't consider that, I mean, like, I can't live without queso. I don't (laughs) want to live without queso, but I can't live without queso. That's the only reason I'm differentiating Mm. between those two. And then what was the other one? What's your favorite kind of taco? Oh, I almost never meet a taco I don't have a crush on. I mean, I'm talking (laughs) whether it's scrambled eggs. I love a taquito with scrambled Mm. eggs and bacon and hash browns in it. I love Mm. that. But I'm going to go crispy. I'm going to go crispy instead of soft. And I'd probably go old school I would either want ground beef. I hate to be that predictable, but I'm nothing if not predictable. With a lot of cheese and a lot of sauce on it, I could get really exotic with y'all and try to sound impressive. But the truth of it is, I probably take a, a crispy taco any day of the week. I'll also tell you something else that I'm so embarrassed of. I love a jack-in-the-box taco. <laughs> <laughs> really? I've never had I that. Love that. It's so trashy. It's so trashy. So y'all don't have Jack in the Box in Nashville? I don't know we, that we do. We've got to get to the Jack in the Box I now and have get one. To the Jack in the Box. But here's what I'm going to tell you. And so are your listeners or your viewers. They are going to say there's no trashier food in the world. And I want to say right up front, they're exactly right. But what they do to <laughs> them is that they fill them and then they deep fry them in whatever they would have deep fried the French fries in. Them. No. So that it's all stuck together like that. <laughs> We support that. We support that. Yes, yes. So, uh, yes, I do love me some Mexican food. Yes. Mm, Us too. But you're in a much better spot for it than we are (laughs) now. I have to say, We've got some good Mexican food. But y'all are, you're getting much better. We are. You're coming along. I've got to say, Nashville is getting some food. I'm just going to say that to you. Nashville is getting some food. We are getting some food. And we hope someday that travel brings you to Nashville and we could enjoy some food with you. I give you a hug. You too. I would love it. You too. I have so much respect for what you do as you work with families and children. I was a child that needed people like you so badly. God makes you the difference between for some of them thriving and not making it. Mm if not in some cases, living and dying. And Mm -hmm. I have so much respect for you 
Mm. Don't grow weary in your well-doing. Thank you. I thought so many times hearing you talk, one of the things we do at Daystar is we have a little summer retreat program that's like a little camp for the kids that are in counseling, and it's called Hope Town. And our dear friend, Melissa, is the executive director, and she does all the Bible teaching. And I can't remember who she was quoting, but she said a sentence that was, I want to know the God you know. Yes. And as you have been talking, Beth, I mean, I have thought, I want to know the God you know. I mean, I do. I do. And I love Him dearly. And it makes me want to know Him even more. So thank you for being exactly who we would imagine you to be. Kind and warm and humble and hilarious and dog-loving to the death. Yes, to the death. I have had a blast with you guys. I hope that our paths cross again. And I'm with you, David. I hope they also pass somehow with a table between us and a whole basket of chips and three bowls of salsa. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Great plan. Thank you so much, you guys, for having me. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. Us too. Thank you. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to click the follow button in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. To learn more about our parenting resources or to see if we're coming to a city near you, visit our website at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.